podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Nina Kaza Show. It seems like an age since I've hosted one of these, I've just been so busy, but it's great to be back. The Reds are back, firing on all cylinders. Not the best performance, but three goals and a clean sheet, unbeaten. I will take that all day, every day, especially the fact that we have a huge game in the Champions League against Paris Saint-Germain. Great way to start off the, the club football again. And... Joining me on this podcast, I'm actually quite excited. I have a brand new caller who I'm quite excited about. We should have some great discussion with him. But it's the panel, right? And, you know, these guys always help me out. And I am so thrilled because my panel is hot fire, literally hot fire. So without further ado, I will introduce my first guest. You may have heard him step in for Harry Setti on the preview preview show talking about this game. I think he predicted a draw. I do have a very terrible memory, but you know what? Without further ado, I am going to introduce him back on. It is Tadiva Chanukara. Tadiva, welcome back. Hey, Nina, how are you? My my, uh, my head said a draw, my heart said a win. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to go with what you said on record. I am calling you out, Senna. It's great to have you back, and it's always fun to talk, and uh, it's it's going to be a good it's going to be a good chat, I think. And joining Tadiva. I had to make a last little tactical sub because Harinda was meant to be on this show, but um, he decided that he couldn't make it because he 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 said to me that he actually hates me more than usual today. And all I'm saying is, Harinda, if you hate me so much, then why is it when shit hits the fan for me, you're the 52nd person to get on the phone and speak to me when I'm having enough time? Just saying, if that isn't true love and friendship, I don't know what is. But you know what? I have an awesome, awesome substitution lined up for you. He is the happy caller on the Nina Kaiser show, but now he is the panelist on my show. It is Kwesi Davis. I am living my best life on this podcast. Kwesi, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Nina. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for having me again. Happy to be here. Ah, it's great having you on. And you know what? Don't fry my brain too much because I know you always do that to call. You always throw me some curveball. I expect none of that. You play by my rules. But you know what? We do have a brand new caller today. I'm actually quite excited. It's always great to hear new voices. And without further ado, let's bring him in. It is Shamak from Calcutta, India. He is also an AI Pro subscriber. If you want to follow him on Twitter, his Twitter handle is at Shamak underscore y-n-w-a which obviously means you'll never walk alone shamik welcome to the show hey nina hello everybody hi welcome to the nina Carter show welcome and um i'm sure you're absolutely thrilled you know with three points we'll take that all day long um want to get your thoughts um uh, and w- what would you like to share with the panel See, uh, to begin with more relieved than thrilled because uh, going by how you know the first half went it was kind of uh, worrying if we would score or not you know we weren't doing very well creatively 
so you know first question for the panel you know in terms of creativity and how we were playing so uh, how do you see you know uh, henderson being part of the 4231 the double pivot and the way forward because now that you know he's suspended for the derby uh, probably fabrinho will come in and does that mean you know we continue with this 4231 setup or if it starts clicking in this setup uh, does henderson you know play a major role or does he you know become a bit part player or a squad player going forward it's an absolutely excellent question and you you you're quite right about the first half and what i'll do is tadiva i will come to you first i mean of course um captain gets sent off uh, and i think one of the talks about this game certainly in the first half as well i thought shaq was really trying to link up with the attackers i thought those four were trying to like create something i thought certainly in particular shakiri's um link up play or you know passing to mosala at times in the first half was at times you know quite unlucky it was just a little off you know something was just not quite right but you could definitely see some of the gorgeous passes being played and i felt like one of the qualms that i had certainly in the first half and i want to get your thoughts cuz you're quite a tactical guy i felt like even though the midfield wasn't getting exposed which i don't think it was but it wasn't doing the most as well it was a bit meh So how do you think we'll approach um you know going going forward in in the Merseyside derby with the 4231 you know with Fabinho coming in maybe with Genie because I think a lot of us Liverpool supporters have actually quite liked that balance between those two guys Yeah I think it will be interesting to see how the team adapts to this formation and I think we also have to give the team a little bit of leeway considering it's it's a new formation in a new season having had maybe you know in inverted commas a successful season last season playing and getting used to the 433 in terms of this game specifically um look i don't think the the midfield played as direct as many would have liked in terms yeah. of giving those direct passes straight to the forward line and mm-hmm. i suppose that's something fabinho and gini when they played as a pair seemed to do well especially fabinho he he was very keen to get the ball in into the striker's feet but i do think um it it's something that they'll adapt to in this game we also have to take into consideration watford's strong asset is their midfield so how much does that influence how well our midfield plays maybe they negated them a little bit um yeah i i don't think it was as successful as we would have liked in today's game um but obviously still i found henderson was still coming it was sort of looking like three at the back when we were attacking because Henderson was sort of splitting the center halves and coming into the middle looking to pass off there I, i don't know if that was tactical or if it's his natural game to do that um but i think when you've got the likes of Van Dijk at the back those guys are comfortable passing i don't think we need especially if we've only got two guys in midfield i don't think we need them coming that deep so mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that develops later but in terms of going forward as a team i do think i don't think klopp will abandon the 433 altogether as we've seen maybe in some of the bigger games he might be inclined to play the 433 just to get more bodies in midfield mm. um but if we look at his dortmund days i suppose that was probably his natural system it was yeah absolutely yeah yeah so maybe he it was just a matter of when he came to liverpool he just didn't have the players to play 4231 mm-hmm. he tried to start off with it it really wasn't going as well as he would have liked that's when they fell into that 433 formation they've been comfortable with it they've worked on it but now we've seen you look at the players that have been added in Fabinho and Keita both used to playing in a two in midfield 
Um, Shakiri, where does he fit in in a 4-3-3? That's always a question. So he looks more suited to a 4-2-3-1 as well. And then obviously the failed signing of Fakir, that would have hinted more to a 4-2-3-1 formation than a 4-3-3. So it is something that is evolving. And to be fair, I think as as a team, Liverpool have to constantly evolve. If we carried on playing like we played last season, who's to say that other teams wouldn't have figured us out? It's a great point. And uh, <clears throat> Chrissy, I'll, I'll come to you now. I want to get your thoughts on, first of all, um, the, the performance of the midfield in, in today's game and also, um, you know, what are, with obviously Henderson gone, it, it kind of maybe the midfield formation kind of picks itself. Um, I want to, I want to know your thoughts on, do you think Klopp will play a 4-2-3-1 maybe against Everton? And if so, who do you think will start? Because of course, Ginny Wijnaldum has, has played an awful lot of games as well. And I think he's due a rest as well at some point. That's true. What is even, more stark at the moment is that since Hendo is out for the next uh, league game against mm-hmm. Everton, yeah. chances are he's he's a shout to start in Paris, which prior to today he probably would not have been a favourite start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I mean in terms of this four-two-three-one, I I think that that's where Klopp wants to go. I think even the staggered four-three. 3 3 that we've been seeing is sort of a hybrid of this 4 2 3 1. What, mm. he wa- what he wants to do is to have the setup where he can have two pillars in the middle of the field and then break out into a 4 3 3 as needs dictate. And to be honest, we don't have the two consummate number eights that can do all the bits. As we know, Genie gets stifled sometimes when he's playing number eight, he disappears. You know, we, we really don't have the two ideal number eights to be able to complement a so-called flat 433. Um, by the way, what was the question you asked about Gene in terms of his workload? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, basically, uh, I mean, with the Merseyside derby coming up, um, of course, Henderson yes. will miss that. And um, if, do, do you see Klopp maybe playing a 4-2-3-1 against Everton? And if so, who, who do you think will get picked? Right, so given the fact that we'd have just played Paris Saint-Germain away and figure Fabinho will play a role there and if he's reasonable, he'd segue into the Everton game. And so a 4-2-3-1 is likely. It gives us the control, it gives us a platform from which we can really, really aggressively attack. I think um, Hater would be quite him. nice in that game, you know, if he's, if he's fit, because I think Again. we could do with his, um, you know, his bite. Again, one of the things it would have been nice to see today was Keita get a chance for mm. a few minutes. And, and, and that's prior to the match. That's how I conceptualize things. So, you know, Hendo starts fine, maybe 20 minutes left. Keita comes on, gets his eye in, gets his feet in, and therefore he can play maybe a bigger part in Paris. And then by Everton, he's flying. And um, he'd be the perfect game for a perfect player for a derby game. So yes, uh, but let's see. Jimmy Milner will probably be in because he's experienced and he really he's played in loads of derbies over yeah. the years for Manchester City, for Leeds, you name it. So so he'll probably come in. So right now we're looking at Hendo and Milner. Um, no, Hendo's out. Sorry, we're looking at Milner and Fabinho for the derby and perhaps one other 
and I'd love it to be um, Nabi, but who knows? I mean, I'm not sure what Klopp is doing with Nabi. I thought today was a perfect opportunity to give him some minutes, and it didn't happen. Yeah, I was. I think a lot of people are quite disappointed with that. Um, it's certainly, certainly. I mean, like, of course, I'm gonna give him some love on this pod now. But Gags was in, in, in our little uh, chat, and he was talking about, of course, Henderson, and he was actually really worried, thinking that he would he might get sent off and he was absolutely right. So there's a little plug for our Discord, yeah. Discord yeah, little was, group chat. I was apoplectic <laughs> about <laughs> 10 minutes before he, he was I, sent off. And, I bet you were. And, and those who were on the Discord with me know that, I, I, sorry, I mean, the game gets heated. They have a physical midfield. There are going to be clashes. People are going to get angry. It happens. I blame Clark. I saw it coming. From miles away, miles away, I was like, this man is going to get sent off. Please take him off. Bring on Keita. At least Keita probably would get a yellow card as well. But then he, you know, it would be one more before he gets sent off. Sort of. And, and he just didn't. He just left him on there. So it's one of those things. But, but, but the result was good. Yeah. And the performance of the midfield, right? That's the first question you asked. The performance of the midfield, they nullified what Watford were trying to do. Mm. They really did. The problem is, and this is a recurrent theme without Fabinho in there, and I suspect without Keita in the two as well. When we get our transition opportunities, the go-to approach is to turn back to the defence. Ignore the transition opportunities. Instead of receive the ball on the half turn, receive it with your back to the goal you're attacking and pass it backwards or sideways. It happens so many times to the point where the most adventurous passer early on from deep was Lovren. Mm. That chance where the lad got injured from their side that um almost fell to, I believe it was Salah in the box. It was Lovren that, that split the field and, and got the ball in on the ground. I mean, Hendo and Genie just weren't bothered. And that is my only complaint about the midfield. I thought they were pretty good today. I don't know if Tadiva agrees with me. Tadiva? Yeah, um, I, think, I think from the perspective of nullifying what Watford were trying to do, and I've always been of the opinion that that's probably Hendo's best attribute when it comes to playing in the sixth role or playing a more defensive role after his long-term injury, in that he's very good at playing horizontally and covering those fullbacks that are bombing forward. He's very good at yeah. coming across the pitch and just sure. shutting shutting um, teams off. And obviously, we can see it leads to a couple of yellow cards and then subsequently a few fouls and then the red card. So it, it, those fouls do add up. But I think it's important at certain stages in the game to have someone that can read the game in that horizontal pattern in order just to cut teams off from breaking. Um, mm. but thank I think- God, God, thank God for Shakiri today then, right? Because I felt like even though, um, I want to get your thoughts and I bring a sh- Shamik into this as well. Um, even though I felt like, uh, as, as the game progressed, I felt like Watford were being pinned back and pegged back deeper and deeper in their half and I felt like some of the passing by Shakiri was absolutely crucial uh, you know something that you kind of expect the midfield to kind of do if he had those kind of creative players but I felt like he stepped up to the mantle in that regard 
Yeah, I think if you if you have a midfield of Henderson and and Genie, maybe you could ask Genie of of the two. Maybe Genie you're expecting a bit more yeah. creativity from, but um, I I really didn't expect that much creativity from them. I was expecting it to come from Yuri or maybe Firmino, who was obviously dropping a bit deeper. But I think Shakiri has become very good in being the link between midfield and attack, especially yes. when we're when we're talking about our midfield isn't really being as direct as we'd want it to be. Mm-hmm. You need you need that directness to come from somewhere else. And Shakiri seems to be the one where, as soon as he gets the ball, he's looking forward to see who's making runs, and then he's having the you know the bravery to to try and play those passes. So it's good to see. Um, hopefully the rest of the midfield can catch up with that, unless maybe it's tactical that they that maybe they've been told that's not their job. Um, their job is just to recycle the ball and then give it to the other guys to to try and look for those passes. But definitely mm-hmm. Shakiri has stepped into into that role of being the link, which I suppose was the role Oxley Chamberlain took up towards the end of last season. Yeah, after Coutinho left as well. Exactly, especially yeah. after Coutinho left. Yeah, we, you always need that one player who is looking forward first and foremost, and looking to to the the movement of our front players because our, our front players are very clever in their movement, and yes. a lot of the times when maybe the deeper midfielders have the ball, you can see guys making the moves. Especially if you at the live um, when you're watching the games live, it, it, you can see so many runs being made, and then arms just going in the air because. You know, it's a wasted run. There were a few times in this game when Trent was overlapping quite a few times on that other side of the pitch and there was so much space for him. It's just no one was willing to make that pass. Um, so at least we had someone on the pitch who was willing to make that pass in Shakiri. Yeah, Shamik, I'm going to bring you in. You've heard what the lads have said about the midfield. I want to get your thoughts. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you have an alternative view and opinion? The floor is yours. See, uh, Nina, I kind of agree to the fact that the uh, Shakiri has become the integral link between our, you know, uh, the deep uh, pivot and the front three. Mm. But one thing that I find very interesting, you know, and uh, Paul Dalglish keeps talking about it in the tactics pod, that the most difficult aspect, you know, for defenders uh, when they're defending in a low block is runners from deep, right? Mm. And with the front three playing on the shoulders of the defenders, even though they're making runs, there is nobody running in from deep who will drag the defenders, you know, with them or probably a midfield, uh, one of the uh, defensive defensive midfielders with them. So I think for a five minute spell today, Henderson was trying to do that. He was, you know, trying to run off the ball, trying to get in on the right hand side channel as in our left hand side. Uh, he was trying to make some runs off money. For a five-minute spell, if I remember correctly, around somewhere in the middle of the uh, first half. Apart from that, you know, there was hardly any time where uh, any of the midfield to actually went in beyond the uh, creative players. I mean, lads, have you got a response to that? Um, do, do you not think in our system, tactically, that role is being asked of the fullbacks instead of the midfield? Because it, to me, it appears as though the fullbacks are the ones that need to be doing those overlapping runs. And we did see, you know, a few times when Robertson did go beyond maybe the strikers. That's when we were getting them to turn their back forward. And that's when dangerous balls were going into their box. Or are, are you preferring it to come specifically from midfield? Because I, I think um, Klopp might just be holding the midfield back to allow the fullbacks to do that job. 
but at least we can you know probably do uh, do that in turns right uh, probably if uh, uh, say if uh, ginny is playing on the right if uh, you know trent stays back one time and ginny goes they are probably their you know wide uh, left who was uh, perera i think right uh, so yes. he was mm. probably tracking uh, trent's runs and probably going back with him right uh, some of the time but if ginny makes that run they are expecting ginny to play in deep and probably nobody will go with him it in might uh, you know create an additional opportunity which probably in the setup that they have it is not coming up mm. but i agree to your point that the full backs you know have that role and they are the people who are you know creating those overloads down the sides yeah i have to agree with that i you know i have to, I, you know like from all the games i've watched with of liverpool under jurgen klopp under these players and i feel like a lot of the assists if if the attackers aren't making themselves like through gorgeous balls i feel like a lot of the assists and a lot of the crossing comes from wide it's very seldom that i see a goal made from midfield i mean is that just me does anybody else feel like that it's very seldom that a ball is played from midfield yeah um as a matter of fact i noticed today that we we played very few vertical balls from midfield and we managed mm. to get three goals in the end anyway but uh shomai has quite a point I, one of the things is that you yes you want people running in behind you in the line just deep to that for second balls because often whatever pass you're trying you know through midfield vertical passes they may not come off and the second ball becomes critical and i think that's what he's alluding to you know that's where you want mm. genius and more attacking yeah. of the two to, to be there to mop up that and restart attack immediately the other thing is um just in as much as we saw hendo start to you know try a few runs off the side in the half spaces as the game progressed genius started doing a bit of dribbling which makes such a difference i think it was dave hendricks that said that what sets manchester city apart from us is that their two number 10s who act as number 8 can kill you with a pass and can kill you on the dribble and it's really difficult to defend that because they use the dribble quite a lot to break open teams mm. and that's why nabikita is going to make a huge difference cuz he dribbles from deep he can open up the play from deep and then we spread it and at that point the ball that you're playing is a 30 yard pass rather than a 60 yard one and uh, it makes a difference I mean, shakiro is forced to play a lot of 60 70 yard passes today i don't know if you noticed that no for sure well um shamik thank you so much for that question yes shamik uh, uh, that was a great discussion point right there and you, you know you're, you're making quite an impact on on your debut on the nina kaza show i believe you have another talking point for us so i'm going to give you the floor um what what thoughts and points would you like to raise with the panel yeah so uh, you know this is more of a you know observation stemming from the fact that you know this is probably um, there have been more than two but uh, two i can very distinctly remember you know remember one today one against uh, i think man city where we either gave away a penalty and they contrived to miss it or we were lucky you know the penalty was not given and how lucky has that been because at nil nil if probably they go ahead it is a different result right and you know on that topic how important was alisson's save 
So it's a good talking point because I think Tadeva, I'll come to you first and um I think as Liverpool fans in, in, in bygone seasons before we said we're so unlucky, we're so unlucky, you know, like oh that shouldn't have happened and like this time round it does feel like we are getting our fair share of albeit, you know, sometimes we haven't like the goal again. Was it the goal against Arsenal that should have stood? You know, think we could have won that game had that goal stood, you know, yada yada yada. But as a whole, for the most portion of, of this season, like the Man City penalty missing, of course, this game, um, we have been quite lucky. But let's just talk about that incident because obviously we are talking post Watford. I want to get your thoughts to Diva. Was that a penalty? Because the commentators on my feed seem to think that it wasn't. And then obviously I'll come to Cressy and I'll come to Shamik as well. We'll, we'll have a little chat about this. Yeah, from my perspective, I thought it was a penalty. I, I gasped as soon as um, mm. I saw Robertson going into the because the it was like saying, twice, wasn't it? He missed up the first. He messed up the first, and then he went for the second. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the thing is, <laughs> the players going away from goal, so you don't really need to be lunging in there. I thought, but maybe he was trying to compensate for the fact that he missed the first one. Yeah, and it, you know, he's, he's just trying to make up the the effort there. But you know the. I love how they always say, oh, these things even themselves out over a season. Well, last season, it showed that it does not even out because we, I don't think we, we had a penalty last season. Is that correct? At home. Uh, it I'm was yeah. ridiculous, ridiculous yeah. like that. So I, I don't think they even um, themselves out over a season. But I do think as long as we're getting the rub of the green at the moment, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because, yeah, I, I, I felt it was a penalty. And then with regards to the second point with the Allison say, look, this is the type of thing we've needed um, from our keepers for a number of years, probably since Pepe Reina left mm-hmm. Liverpool, in that, yes, you have the likes of Mignolet and ca- the Carriuses of the world where, you know, even Mignolet, when we brought him in, he, he was a shot stopper. Like, you can't deny that at Sunderland, he was a fairly decent shot stopper, and that's why we brought him in. But when you come to a club like Liverpool, you don't get time to get your iron. And I think that was my biggest concern when it was the Butlin versus Allison. Who should we bring in? And I didn't want another keeper coming from a team who's who's so used to you know conceding so many shots at their goal, which gives them a chance to get their eye in, and then they make a couple of saves. At Liverpool, Allison gets asked to make maybe one, maybe two saves a game. And if you don't have that mental concentration, that mental part of the game to be able to keep yourself ready, you know, for when you're called into action, then whether you're a shot stop or not, it, it, it just becomes naught. And we saw that with the likes of Menya and Carriers. They've all pulled off amazing saves in games, but most of the time it's being asked the first shot that you, you, you that's actually considered at your goal, you need to be making the save. And, I think there was a spell, um, I don't know if it was last season or two seasons ago, where Liverpool were conceding a goal from the first shot on target. Um, and that was the first shot on target after we had a shot on target, right? When Alisson yes, made that save. Yes, it was. And and if you look at two years ago, it was every time that the other team had the first shot on target, it always went in. Mm. And if, if we had that today, as was said, then it's a totally different game and it would have been a struggle to try and now and lock them because then they would have really sat back. But um, it's good to see that Allison has that part of his game where mm-hmm. he knows he just needs to make the one save. Yeah. Um, so I, I was happy with this performance. Look, some people will bring up the the incident at the beginning in the first half where the miss pass to Firmino who was coming deep. Um, 
But According to my commentators on my stream, he does that a lot. That's okay. <laughs> and then all that they could highlight was the Leicester game. I was like, okay, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Um, but look, when, when you have a keeper like Allison, you have to expect those type of things because yes, he might make that one mistake in inverted commas where he passed the ball to Firmino and it, it was a bit short. But then if you look at the game as a whole, how many times did he speed up play? For us, you know, to get on the counter attack. So people seem to only highlight the bad thing, but never talk about all the other good things he's bringing. I'm happy with him. He brings a calm, not only to me watching the games, but I, it seems like to the defense as well when you've got Absolutely. a keeper like that. So long may he continue as our number one. Absolutely. And, um, I, I couldn't agree more. And I'll give my two cents worth and then I'll hand it over to Cressy. I thought it was a penalty. I thought Robbo was, um, a little bit lucky there, but you know what? As great as your team might be and as good as football you might play, I think a winning team or, you know, Manchester United of the bygone era is the team that hurt me the most. They had so much luck. I used to call them the lucky bastards all the time. And regardless of what great players they had, they always had luck. And I feel like if you're going to win something, you need luck. And it's nice that it is going our way. With regards to Alisson, I completely agree with all your points. Um, Just something that I've noticed from him, I've mentioned it a few times. I th you're right about the first shot that he was alert. And I think what he does is, um, and we've noticed this when we're at games, he's always doing stretches. He, 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 you know, when the ball's in the opposition half, he's not just stood there watching, he's stretching, he's moving. He's actually quite fascinating to watch off ball, believe it or not. He's not a boring goalkeeper. And I love that. And maybe he does it to stay alert and sharp because, you know, even a great keeper, Emmanuel Neuer, when, you know, when Bayern Munich were all, you know, guns blazing, uh, you know, he would, he would have a bit of a casual moment because, goalkeepers need to be alert and sharp as well and if they're not tested all that does come into play uh Questy, i'm gonna i'm gonna come to you now i want to get your thoughts on on the penalty decision and look in general and of course um that save from allison and just what what he does for you that was straight out of the albi moreno book of defending absolutely nailed on albi moreno but uh i i've seen them give it and one of the things, I think we're watching the same stream, Nina. But mm. one of the, the analysis, um, one of the bits that, that was said was that he, he sort of tried to pull out of the tackle. So there was mild contact and he did try to pull out. And I think that probably saved him. Um, would I have given it? Yes. See, Penalties are all about precedence, right? Because mm -hmm. we, we know that the, the contact probably wasn't enough to make him fall over. Not really, although he was going at high speed. But we know also that it's incumbent on the defender to not get contact on another player. And if you're going to contact another player in the box, then a penalty is a possibility. So, yes, I'm with you. Um, were it given, I would not have complained. Because contact was made, man fell over. Yeah. Um, and we were lucky, therefore. We didn't have that sort of luck against Tottenham last season, the last minute penalty. Now, I must say that Allison is a phenomenal goalkeeper. He has this way of making us think that, oh, perhaps the guy should have tucked it away further in the corner and so on. He, that shot was hit quite firmly. It was really well struck mm -hmm. and it was three quarters way into the corner 
and he made it look simple. Got both hands to it, two strong hands. He's a phenomenal goalkeeper. I have to take my hats off to him. Um, the several that I have. <laughs> <laughs> but all I'm saying is, if he keeps Kwesi calm, Kwesi is practically in a horizontal position because he was calm when he, he was yeah, always, yeah, <laughs> you, were, you always sounded that calm when we had Minile and Carius as well. So this is brilliant. I mean, Shamika, I'm going to come back to you. You've heard what the lads have said. You asked the question. So I'm intrigued. I want to get your thoughts on this. Did you think it was a penalty? And it was quite, sh- I was actually quite shocked when it was actually Robbo who did that because usually he doesn't put a foot wrong like that, in my opinion. No, it was, uh, but you know, to be very honest, I'm pretty happy it was not given for a change. Of course. We have seen a lot of times, you know, <laughs> there'd be even more <laughs> egregious offenses against our forward line, more being pulled down by the scruff of his neck and nothing is given. And then for the slightest contact, you know, remember it's a tree, very uh, tree. the penalty against Everton, right? Yeah. You know, the guy literally just falls over. <laughs> so it's a, you know, happy thing that uh, these are not getting given. And I would absolutely love the vitriol from opposition fans. You know, they saying that we are having the rub of the green, you know, r- pissing them off. <laughs> that is even more than, you know, getting the luck probably. But you no, know, it's good. It's important. You know, probably, uh, had we gone down over there to one nil, it might have been a very different game. So probably even more than giving away the penalty, the game state was more key for me. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, the game would have looked completely different had they had that penalty been given. And of course, they converted it. It would have been really interesting to see our response um, to, to that scenario. Well, Shamik, um, thank you so much for calling. Sure, Nina. So let me just, uh, you know, sign off on a very positive note. Spurs are 2 nil up. Oh, well, you know what? That is music to my ears. All the results are going my way. The footballing gods are raining down for us. Happy, happy fucking days. Bye, Nina. Thank you, so. Bye, guys. It was lovely. Bye, Shami. Cheers. Lovely having you. Great question. Absolutely agreed. Good night, Good night guys. Bye. Okay, so that was Shamik all the way from Kolkata in India. Um, you signed off there, but Gag said he will chat to you in, in the Discord group, so be prepared to be harassed. Thank you so much for calling. Now it's just myself and the awesome Tadiva and Kwesi, and we're just going to talk about a few of the issues in the games, maybe a few player performances, etc., etc. So, so guys, um, I think the first thing that we've got to discuss, and I will come to Kwesi first on this one. I want to get your thoughts on the defence. Of course, um, when the team news was announced, and of course you see Lovren instead of Gomez, um, I want to get your thoughts. How do you think the defence did? I thought, you know, I thought they did pretty well. I thought they handled the situation really well. A few times I thought Delafeo, um was a bit of a, a handful, but I was always sort of confident with the defence. I was very happy with them. Uh, one of the things we need is for Van Dyke and Lovering to be comfortable with each other, even as Van Dyke and Gomez get comfortable with each other. And I thought that was in evidence today. Uh, even the, the one big chance that they managed to carve out was Lovren slipping. Mm. Uh, and it, it's, it's just amazing how fast football is. Because Lovren slipped, fell on his chest and immediately pushed up and got on his feet within half a second. And it was too late. Delafoy got in and fed, I think it was Pereira, and Pereira had a shot. And it just goes to show. But that, that literally was the only huge problem 
in and among the defense today. I, I thought they were solid overall. The, um, Robbers error notwithstanding. And I'm quite happy. And, and it's good to see that because Gomez does have a, a history of injury. And so we, we do need somebody to come in and actually not at the full, which I, I mean, thought Lovren was good today. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And Tadeeb, I want to come to you. I want to get your thoughts as well on, on, on the defence as well. And does anybody know how long Gomez will be out? Because, of course, like, I, I'm just hoping, it, I was kind of hoping, and I am hopeful, that like, it was just kind of maybe a little knock and it's a precautionary thing. And in Paris, that Gomez does feature because I naturally want that. Yeah, it, it seems like Gomez, uh, it was just a knock at training. Okay. I think, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So hopefully it's yeah. nothing too serious. Um, yeah, that's what I read too. Yeah, so, so I, th- I think it's not, it's not too bad. Um, okay. with regards to Lovren coming in, I think, I think he did well today. I was mm-hmm. happy with his cover work. I thought there were a few times when they were on the break and he just somehow managed to get either his body between them or, get a toe on the ball, and it, he was doing enough, which is all you need from your centre-backs. I, you know, I, I don't want, unless obviously you've got players like Virgil van Dijk that can do a lot more, then the, the quality comes out there. But if you've got a Virgil van Dijk that can do that, the player playing next to van Dijk just needs to do their job. You don't have to do anything fancy, you know. Um, and I thought Lovren held, held up to, to that standard very well and probably exceeded that. Um, I think in terms of the defensive shape as a whole, um, I was happy with it. I, as we mentioned earlier, the midfield obviously contributed to that because they were covering the fullbacks who were sort of charging forward. And I think as long as, look, we can't expect Gomez and Van Dijk to play every single game. So as long as Lovren is coming in and he's playing well, then I'm, I'm happy to support him. Um, obviously come, end of the seasons or whatever, people know my opinions on on Lovren and maybe we should be looking to get a stronger player in there. But as things stand, he's playing well, so there's no issues for me. As long as we just keep him away from doing interviews, I think we should be fine. Absolutely. And I mean, a, a bit of a side, um, a bit of a, a curveball for you lads with regards to Lovren. Do you think maybe the competition of... Uh, Gomez, because obviously last season he did strongly feature, the season before that he strongly featured and he was allowed to kind of make those errors or he would make those errors and he'd be sort of brought back in and brought back in and brought back in because there wasn't much personnel or, you know, maybe there weren't players that maybe Klopp trusted. Do you think he's good for the competition? Do you you think that he's going to thrive under that? Because some players, it, it can be a make or break and there's always been talk about Lovren's mentality and, you know, how he, he deals with situations. I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you think maybe, like, when he's given his chances, he might now really start to, you know, cherish them almost? A bit like, you know, Shakiri, every time he's brought in. Like, Shakiri is, like, easily the man of the match most of the times, every time he plays. Do you think that maybe we could see that, maybe not man of the match before? I'm fucking shooting at the start for the sky there, but do you think that him featuring less means that we get better performances? I think there's a psychological and a physical side to this, um, and, and I'm agreeing with you. Uh, psychologically, it's always better if the person in question is not taking their opportunities for granted. 
Mm. And I think we we see this in, in how Shakira is going about his football. And to be honest, I'm seeing it in Lovren as well. But probably more importantly is that for a defender to, 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 to reach elite levels and stay there, he needs continuity. I think when you look at the Liverpool careers of mm. Lovren, of Matip, and of, and of uh, Mamadou Sako, these are three guys who, when they get a series of games, when they're fit for a period, you begin to notice traits of an elite defender. And then they get injured invariably. And they're back to square one and they're making mistakes and everybody's upset with them. I think for Lovering to perform, he needs to be fit often. And a few fewer games actually helps him. To, to stay fit and to stay ready and to be hungry. And I think that's what you see in both the physical and the mental side coming together. Interesting. And uh, Tadeva, your response to, to the initial question? Yeah, I think competition is always important in a team. And if you look at Lovren, for some reason, I, I don't know whether it's... Um, you know how managers always have that one player you wonder why they keep around. Um, for me, Lovren is that player with Klopp. Um, in terms of, I think for Klopp, it's his like pet project of I'm going to make a player out of this guy just to prove everyone wrong. And if you look at Lovren, you know, physically, he's got all the attributes, I think, to be a decent centre-back. It's just the mental side of the game, sometimes he, he just you know, makes really seri- uh, silly errors. Mm. So I think if, 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 if he is working on that mental side, and I, I don't know, Liverpool have worked with a few guys um, over the last couple of years with regards to the mental side of the game for the players, mm-hmm. if that's helping him improve, if he's happy to, to try and compete for this partnership role next to Van Dijk, then... As long as he's playing well, there won't be issues. The only problem with Lovren is no matter how well he plays, even if he plays well for 10 games, if he goes and makes one mistake in one game... It's, it's just magnified, isn't it? Exactly. It's just going to be magnified. And I don't know if he can ever win at Liverpool because of that, because of that stigma that's already there. Whereas in terms of from Klopp's perspective, I think Klopp seems to... At, at the very least, say that he trusts him. Maybe it's psychological and, you know, you don't want to break him down any more than he already is. So you just tell him he's good. But um, in terms of the competition, it's good that Gomez has been able to step up. But remember, Gomez is a young lad as well, so we have to allow him to make mistakes. It's part of the growing pains of a young mm-hmm. centre-back. So when you've got guys like Lovren and Matip who have a bit more experience than Gomez coming in and just doing their job, just don't do anything special. My biggest concern with Lovren is actually when he's picked up his... his. Um, I know Kwesi spoke about they, they can pick up the momentum and pick up form after playing a few games. That's when I start to get nervous with Lovren because he seems to get too comfortable. So as long as there's competition, then perhaps he won't get too comfortable. He'll always have that chip on his shoulder and that will help him not to get too relaxed and make those mistakes. And hopefully he denies the interviews as well. Yes. <laughs> we can I'm all happy. hope and pray. I mean, you know what? Let's just quickly talk about the fullbacks. One got a goal. The other one got an assist. So you know what? 
Tadiva, I'll stick with you. I want to get your thoughts. I mean, what a fucking stunning free kick from uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I mean, scoring for club and country in, in the matter of um, just over a week. I want to get your thoughts on just their performances in general. Uh, we're going to ignore the penalty thing situation now. And I thought they both had pretty decent games. Yeah, I thought they, they, they both had decent games. I don't think they were troubled going, you know, speaking defensive-wise, obviously with the penalty aside for now. I thought they handled their auxiliary wingers pretty pretty well because it, it didn't seem like the Watford were playing with really out-and-out wingers. Um, I think, obviously, we look at the Trent goal. Um, we, we now know he has that in his locker, and he seems to be quite confident. I, I enjoy the confidence in a 19-year-old. You know, you've got Salah next to you, and however many other players were in and around the ball before they put the ball down and he's saying you know what I'm taking this one and he actually takes it and puts it in the top top corner you know um, it's it's good going forward and we know he's chomping at the bit to become Liverpool captain one day so it's good to see he's got that confidence and long may it continue and another thing as well is it's very important to have players that can score free kicks as we said it's 1-0 in a game where Watford could always have a spell of five or ten minutes where they really go for it, you know, being the team. The fans can get on your back and, and really start to put pressure on Liverpool as a team. But that ability to just score and, and really try and shut the game off them or, or kill at least a little bit of their hope is so important. But, you know, and Liverpool have, for a few seasons, we, we, we had Suarez who, who took them. Then we had Coutinho, who'd take them, you know, every now and then. And then once Coutinho went, it was sort of kind of looking at, okay, who's going to be the person to take them? Salah takes them every now and then. I, I don't know how great he is at free kicks. Too. From my perspective, I think he, it's just because he's really good at scoring goals, so you give him the free kick type thing. But if we've now got Trent Alexander-Arnold and Shakiri, you know, a right footer and a left footer who can both take quality free kicks. I think that's a very dangerous and potent weapon that we need to add to our team, which is pretty exciting. For sure. And Kwesi, um, your thoughts on the fullbacks? I thought their maintenance of this going forward, because to be frank, we had vast majority of the ball. Their maintenance of this going forward was excellent. And um, Tadevo was right. They, they made some excellent runs that were ignored by a central midfield time and time and again, which was unfortunate. And Trent Alexander-Arnold, oh, I was so happy for him. It is true, I was so relieved that he break the goal. But um, what a strike of the ball. I mean, this guy can really ping it, whether it's passing it or shooting. Uh, that just took all the pressure off and I I found his performance to be good uh, perhaps he's coming back I mean the goal aside perhaps he's coming back into himself I found that this performance was a touch better than what we've been seeing of late in terms of Robbo he's a machine and he played both games for Scotland as far as I know he played all 90 minutes both times comes today and he's breaking away with three minutes left to, to, to set up eventual Firmino goal. I mean, this man is an absolute machine. And they must be feeding him something at Queen's Park in Scotland for him to be like this. But yeah, their performance was good. Um, 
with the penalty, you'd have to, you can't say it was brilliant, but it was good. Absolutely. And you're absolutely spot on about Robbo. And I, I always laugh because I always think about what Klopp said to him when he got called up for, when he was made Scottish, um, the captain of Scotland. And he was like, you're the real Braveheart. I think that's very true of Robbo. Um, I think what we need to do now is we need to move on to the attack. We spoke about the midfield, um, with, of course, um, Shomik. So what we'll do is we'll talk about the attack. And Diva, um, you know, I want to get your thoughts on the attack. And of course, two of them scored today. I want to get your thoughts on their performances. Just in general, um, I thought, you know, uh, certainly in the first half, for the first maybe 15, 20 minutes, it felt like um, Mane looked like the most up for it. I There was a bit of, like, tenacity about him, and um, I really enjoyed that. And then he kind of, he did that Mane thing where he, he'd peak, and then he would drop, and then he would peak again. But as a whole, I was, again, very happy with the attackers. Two of them scored. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's... One of those things where this season we're going to have to look at games both, you know, separate the in-game um, feelings compared to after-the-game feelings. Because, um, as we mentioned in the group chat, it's it's a very measured approach Liverpool are taking this season. And it's still to be seen if maybe the second half of the season um, Klopp lets the shackles off. Maybe he he's seeing that we were a bit tired towards the back of last season and he's trying to save us a bit there. But if you look at the attackers, it's not as free-flowing as, as we, we were used to from last season, but it's effective. And they seem to be doing enough to, you know, if we've got such a solid base at the back, we only need one or two, you know, goals, and we know we're going to win a game. And Whereas, teams set up differently from last season too. Like, there's no space for our attackers now. I don't, you know, like, there's... You look at Mo Salah, he's literally turning into four defenders every single time. Yes, definitely. And and you also have to take into consideration, um, which is something that rarely gets discussed, but we have to remember that all of the, the front three are playing completely different roles to the roles they were playing last season. So how much does that take to the instinctive play they were used to, the instinctive build-up they were used to? Um, you know, it, it only takes a second for you to have that link last season where maybe Firmino's making a different run to the run he's being required to make this season. So if he's making a different run, the person that's on the ball, for example, let's say Salah's on the ball, on the wing, and he's used to Firmino making one specific run and now tactically he's having to make another one, it might take Salah a second or two longer to figure out what that run is and then play the pass, which obviously then slows the play down and then it looks like, you know, the team isn't functioning as fluid as, as as they used to. But they're all really, really intelligent players. They've all got really good movement. And I think it's only a matter of time where it really will start to gel and we will start to see that, you know, um, sort of telepathic instinct um, of, of the football that we saw last season. But from, uh, you know, from... From the fact that we've got a more solid base now at the back, I think it's okay for us to allow our attackers to grow into this new, these new roles they're being asked to do. And they only have to, like I said, they only have to score one or two a game. And that usually spells the end for other teams because we're so solid at the back. So it's allowed our attackers that a bit more breathing space. And then from an individual perspective, uh, as you said, yes, money was going in and out of games. I'm, I'm always slightly frustrated whenever Mane doesn't take a man on because he has such incredible acceleration. Mm -hmm. And he's one of those players that could really be 
you know, those direct dribblers where he can take two or three lines, defensive lines out, um, out just by, you know, kicking the ball past his fullback, opposition fullback and, you know, burning him for pace. And then if you look at Firmino, you can see, you know, we saw it in Fulham. You can see it now. Some of those slick touches are starting to, you know, come back and then he gets the goals. Hopefully that helps with his confidence going forward. And then Mo Salah, um, I, I thought he, he played decent. There were a few balls, you know, where he was, I think, being asked to chase, a, you know, some balls that I don't think he was going to get to because we were trying to get um, a few balls over the top towards him. But I thought he did a great job. He was holding the ball up really well, I thought, when they were playing the ball up to him, um, which allowed our the rest of our team to come forward. So that, that was really important. So I, I was happy with the attackers. And as I said, as long as our defense is doing the job, um, it gives our attackers the freedom to grow and that will only get better as the season goes on. Absolutely. And Kwesi, I want to get your thoughts on the attack. And it's something that Tadeva said, you know, about the attackers and, and the movement and how they play together. I mean, the first goal for Marcela, I mean, all three of them were involved in that one. And it, it was actually quite majestic to see as well, because it felt like we we had a few chances. It was it was like the very nearly kind of, oh, it, really, it almost happened to us, almost happened for us. It almost happened for us. And then it, it comes through. And I thought it was nice that all three of them were involved in, in some way. Yeah, and what a well-weighted pass from Bobby to, to free uh, Manny um, on the left, um, turning inside left channel. Also, I would really like to see this team reach the lengths that they reached in Porto last season. Gags can always correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the XG in Porto was something like 36 and we got five goals. And I'm convinced that if we, even today, if we had a game where we were really efficient in front of goal, we might have been worth a two-goal lead at halftime, perhaps 2-1. And this thing could have been dusted and ended 5-0. But I'm happy with them. I, I, I thought they kept trying. They kept being themselves in the right situations. Kept making they never gave up. The pressing was good when they had the ball, which was seldom. Um, and Tadeva mentioned that Mane, you know, sort of goes in and out, but that's exactly how he plays even on the ball. He'll take the ball and he'll be looking midfielders back to the goal. Then all of a sudden he spins quickly and he moves. Um, and he, he has a lovely change of pace, a lovely first step. And uh, somebody mentioned on Twitter today that they think when Mane is on top, top form, he's probably our most valuable attacker. And I, and I agree with them. I totally agree with them. He's an amazing player. Uh, Bobby was pressing, counter-pressing today quite well. and being Quite deep again, wasn't he in the best half? Yes, he was deep. But he made better use of the ball when he came deep this time. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, he was one of the few positive influences from deep in midfield when he, mm -hmm. when he deigned to come back deep. And so he's coming on. Good to see. And Salah is Salah. There will come a time when these opportunities, including the one that Manny got, which was an amazing thing where he got a shot off when he had no business getting a shot off. He had a ball 
with his back to the goal, he managed to somehow do a semi-bicycle, get on target. When these start coming off, we're going to be box office. And when you think about what <laughs> the defense is doing, it allows us to, 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 you know, to push on. When we start taking off, it's going to be five, six, seven, eight nils, especially if we sort out the central midfield and vertical play. So today was a good day for the attack. I, I think they can take a ball. They, they did reasonably well and they kept the pressure off. Just so really because this was Etienne Capo right were were quite good. Um in midfield insofar as we allowed them to be good. And so it, it was a challenge, it was a physical challenge and we came up trumps. No, absolutely. I, I have to agree with both of you on the attack there. Even when, you know, the commentators were like, Oh, they're not a shot on target, I'm like, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. I did not think that it wouldn't. I didn't think for a second that Liverpool would lose that game or or not score. Um, so I, I had full confidence. I think we just have so much. And I think Shakiri was um, definitely um, a massive added bonus in that regard as well because I felt like whilst they were playing the deep line and they were trying to hold, you know, whilst they were trying to, um, you know, limit the space for our attackers, certainly our pacier attackers, I felt like Shakiri's balls um, certainly into the box were were, you know, time to precision and I just thought it's a matter of time before one of those um, gets right. And um, I think now we've pretty much discussed um, most of the game there. We've discussed the goals, the key talking points. So I'm going to give the lads the floor now to see if there's anything they want to get off their chest because this is therapy. Once you talk about it, it's done with. So you know what, Tadiva, I will come to you first. Um, is there anything from the game, any takeaways, anything that you feel like needs mentioning? Yeah, I think... The the thing that impressed me the most was the mental aspect of playing a Watford away from home. You know, the 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 game before a big Champions League game, an important Champions League game as well, which is going to be away from home too. So it's two games away from home. Watford is a very physical team. You know they're going to bring it right down the middle with their strong midfield. It's not the game you really want to be playing before P- PSG because you know... Watford are going to be going into the tackles and, and, and that type of thing. So my worry coming into the game was that, you know, some of the players maybe won't be going into the challenge, those 50-50 challenges, or might not even be concentrated as much on the Watford game, um, already having their eye on PSG and then maybe even having an eye on the Merseyside derby coming up. And then you end up either losing these games off a set piece from them or you end up drawing the game um, as you pointed out, I predicted the draw. Um, but that was my worry. I'm, I'm impressed that this Liverpool side, because I haven't seen this side of Liverpool for many years in the terms of, from the mental side of going and giving a professional performance in the Premier League when you know you've got two big games coming up straight after that. It, it's, if we can continue to get that switch in the mentality of it, then you become a team that's properly challenging for titles and challenging for trophies. No, I think you made some solid points there, Tadiba. Kwesi, I'm going to come over to you. Do you have a response for what Tadiba just said there? And also, do you have a talking point yourself? Yes, so I I, I agree with Tadiba wholeheartedly. You know, um, <clears throat> As far as I'm concerned, our mentality has improved immensely. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy about that. And that's down to Klopp on his team building. Uh, in terms of my pet peeve now, 
I'm somebody who likes balance in our midfield. And I find that today we were without the, the correct balance. Uh, <clears throat> Hendo does have a part to play in a two-man midfield. He does. You just have to pair him with the right guy. And one of the things that I noticed in the 15-16 season is that while he was paired with Emery Chan for a bit, it worked for a few games until he got injured again with this long heel injury. And it was because Hendo is the stay-at-home sort of player once he's put in the six. And Sean tends to dribble sometimes. And once he gets ahead of steam, he's quite an effective dribbler. He'll dribble through you, over you, whatever. And that's what you need. You need one guy who is willing to take the ball and go. One guy who will stay. And... I was thinking about the 90s, since I'm a child of the 90s, and about some of the players that were there. Um, guys like Fernando Rodondo of Real Madrid and Argentina, and Mauro Silva of Deportivo La Coruña, and indeed Lucio at Bayer Leverkusen. These were all guys who were dribblers in a position that traditionally didn't really sustain a dribbler. And they wreaked havoc on other teams. And what you need is, as I said, one guy who's a dribbler, one guy who's not. In our case, both Fabinho and Keita can dribble. And they're pretty good about decision-making. So one guy goes on a run and the other guy stays. And it will work. And I am surprised that it, it's taken Jürgen so long to come around to this way of thinking. He's clearly decided to reinvest in the 4-2-3-1, which is great. Because... Shakira being essentially a wing 10, and that's the only position that he seems to absolutely thrive in. Um, it, it fits, but he's just not getting the midfield balance right. And today, having two stay at home guys in the six caused us a bit of problem. I think a lot of people do share your sentiments there. I think a lot of people are saying, well, you've got all these midfielders, you spent a lot of money on them, why are you not featuring them, why are you not playing them? And, you know, I want to get, I'll let Tadeva respond to this before we close it off as well. Um, I think when he sometimes does play Jordan Henderson, and I think the only way maybe he thinks it possibly might work is when he does have maybe a creative player in maybe like a Coutinho in the past. Oxley Chamberlain last season and maybe thinks maybe I can play a three when I have a bit of a creative player which is where Shaq comes into play this season I want to get your thoughts I think you know a lot of people are frustrated because you know not to see Naby Keita feature at all in this game you know we want to see him right because we had to wait a whole season I mean I think it's probably played a disservice to Keita that we had to wait that whole season because the build-up and the pressure is just yeah, that's really remarkable at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So everyone's already been, you know, salivating for a whole year, knowing that this. And he was a guy that was meant to fix all our problems in the, in, exactly. in that whole year of waiting as well, right? All our problems go away because Kate is coming in. And every time, yes. Yeah, so every game, after every game, if there was something, you know, there was a lack of creativity in midfield, it will be like, oh, don't worry, Kate is coming in. And you yeah. can just imagine this is a boy coming into a country where he doesn't even speak the language. So, so, um, saying, you know, oh, well, Salah didn't take long to adjust, or Robertson, Oxley Chamberlain, they didn't take a while to adjust. At the first, at the very least, at least they could speak the language. So, so how, how is, you know, Cater being, you know, does he have to turn to money every time tactics are 
being spoken about in training sessions or even on the pitch? Um, do they have to tell money and then money translates to cater or how is that working? That also plays a factor as well. And I think Klopp mentioned in his press, uh, pre-match press conference on Friday that one of the things Kater needs to do is learn the language, you know, pretty quickly. And I think maybe that's why we've seen Kater maybe not live up to the expectations yet because if you look at the start of a season, a lot of the new players, it, it happens for new players and also for young players coming into a team, they don't get given that much tactical responsibility. They sort of, you know, they get given pointers, but they, they, they're allowed more freedom. Um, I think that's why with young players, you can see like a Rashford, for example, he came into that United team and he was flourishing. And then maybe now he's struggling a little bit because now he's being asked you know, to be involved more tactically and become more tactically aware. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with Keita. He came in, you look at that West Ham game, you look at that Crystal Palace game. If you look at those games from, you know, he had the freedom to play his football, but as the games have gone on, he's being asked to be more tactically aware because he, I thought he was leaving his, I think it was Robertson because he was playing on the left a lot of the time. So he was leaving Robertson quite exposed um defensively so maybe he's being asked to be aware of that and if he's being aware of that and being aware of his positioning how does then it affect his freedom to move so these type of things also need to be taken into consideration now how long it takes both him and Fabinho to come in and start as you know the two um I think that's on that's dependent on Klopp and obviously the emphasis is on the players to get the tactics right because Klopp is one of those managers where he's never going to play you unless you he, he's 100% sure you know yeah. your role mm-hmm. because if, if you you can even imagine in, in a, a midfield two if Cater doesn't know his role you know to the levels that Klopp is expecting from him he's going to be exposing that influences the midfielder playing next to him it influences obviously the defenders because they're not going to have as much cover and then also influences whether he's playing on the left or the right, that side of the field as well, the players playing in and around him. So maybe it's just a matter of Klopp isn't going to play him until he's 100% sure that Kader's going to execute what Klopp is asking him to execute. And what Klopp is asking him to execute might not necessarily be what we're, you know, expecting him to, to bring to the table. So it will be interesting to see how long that takes. But in terms of both players, I think the quality is there to see and I'm not worried from a long-term perspective of whether they'll make it as, as Liverpool players. I think that their quality will shine through eventually and I think they'll be fine. Mm. It's just, I suppose, the impatience of this seems to be the season where Liverpool have targeted to go and win you know, a Premier League title. And I think we're in a position where you know, the, the traditional big six teams all have something that could hinder them going for the title this season, whereas Liverpool seem to be in a bubble of there's no, you know, there's no big issue that that could hamper us. You know, you look at Man they you know, top of the table now, but at some point in time, their focus is going to turn to the Champions League because we all know that's the trophy they want to win. So that might help Liverpool, you know, in, in that perspective because Man City, we have to admit, they are in the conversation for one of the best ever Premier League teams. And then you look below Liverpool, the likes of Spurs, um, you know, Pochettino isn't too happy at Spurs. Some of the players, yes, they've signed new contracts and everything, but 
a lot of them also haven't signed new contracts. So it it doesn't seem like the, the there's unison. You know, they've got the issues with the stadium and that type of thing. Then you look at Chelsea. They've got a new manager coming in. Their owner isn't sure whether he's coming or going. Like so, there's a lot of confusion there. Mm-hmm. At Man United, they've got their issues. At Arsenal, new manager coming. It's going to take a while for him to implement. So it seems like this is the season Liverpool really need to be targeting. And I suppose that's why people are so insistent on we've got Fabinho and Keita. Why don't you use them? Yeah, you know. But I think Klopp is one of those managers where, regardless of what we think, he's not going to play a player unless he knows he's going to execute what he's asking him to do. And the example I would give of that is I think it was two seasons ago when Klopp said at one point in time he looked at his bench and there was no one he could bring on because he thought it would be unfair to bring them on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, it was against Bournemouth, I remember, when we lost, when we threw that game away. Yes, yes, exactly. And for no. me... Mm-hmm. Firmino came on to save the day. Oh, I think, yeah. I, th- I think it was one of those uh, games. Mm-hmm. But it, for me, I was looking at that bench and I think it was... Uh, Woodburn was also on the yeah, bench. Yeah, it was kids, was like, it was kids on the bench. On, yeah, why not throw on Woodburn? You know, he, he seems to have shown promise. Let him have a go. But in Klopp's mind, he's thinking, if I throw this kid on and he doesn't fully understand the role that I'm asking him to play, if he messes up, can you imagine the pressure? You know, these are all things that managers have to think about, whereas us sitting at home, we don't necessarily have to think of those because we're trying, we're in the moment, we're trying to win that specific game or we're trying to win that specific season. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, so I think it's, it's going to depend on Klopp and it's the emphasis obviously on the players to try and get up to speed as quickly as possible and hopefully they can do that really quickly because I think that will just improve us so much in terms of the second half of the season then we can really get going. Absolutely. I think you absolutely nailed that. I don't think I can add any more to that. My little side, little chit-chat, it doesn't need any comment. I think I have a theory. Klopp always substitutes Shakiri because Shakiri gives nice warm hugs and it's winter. And he keeps him insulated. That is my theory, and I'm sticking with it, people. We're going to move on to Man of the Match. So, Kwesi, I will come to you first. Who was your Man of the Match today? Man, I heard those people singing the Virgin Van Dyke song, um, which was pretty amazing that it, it had its full debut today. And I can't think of no better person. He actually was quite immense. Quietly immense, but really, really good. So, it's for me, it's VVD. Nice. How about yourself, Tadiva? Um, I think I'm going to have to agree with Chris in giving it to Virgil van Dijk. I think we underestimate how much he improved that defensive line. And I remember in the second half, I think it was Gags in the group chat that even mentioned it, where um, Watford had, it was like a half chance and any other defender would not be making the block Van Dyke made. And because he made the block, it doesn't end up looking like it was a good chance for Watford. But that block was, was so Freddy, crucial. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it, it was so crucial at a time where they score and the pressure just goes up, you know. And mm-hmm. he does a lot of those things where he covers, you know, the mistakes of other people, um, but so nonchalantly that it doesn't even come up in, in conversation. So yep. that then allows the platform for everyone else to, to carry on playing their game. And then I think also um, I, I have to give a shout out also to the fullbacks as well. I, th- I thought they, they helped us a lot in this game. Obviously Trent the goal, Robertson the assist. But in terms of making sure we were 
getting up the field. Um, I thought they had, they had good games. But in terms of picking one, I have to agree with Benjamin Dyke for me. So that excellent, excellent shout. And you have to spot on. I think it comes to something when he just does things and saves the day and you don't even talk about it because it is just standard standard performance from Virgil van Dijk. I'm quite happy to give it to him. I've got no qualms. I agree. I thought the fullbacks were pretty good as well today. I also, on, on a little side note, I thought, you know, Shakiri. Um, if he wasn't that little bit of creativity, certainly in the first half, he made us look a little sparky. Um, I do, I will give him credit for the first half for trying to make things happen when it looked like it wasn't going to happen. So there have been a few very good performances. The attack were all great as well. Um, but yeah, I think Virgil van Dijk for just being a solid. Right, guys, thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for listening. A massive thank you to Shomik for calling in for the first time. And these two as well. Is there anything to plug? Kwesi, I'll come to you first. Absolutely nothing. You can find me <clears throat> occasionally on Twitter. And that's about it. And what's your Twitter handle? Mr. Experience J.A. <laughs> Love it. I, I already follow. He's awesome. <laughs> we made him join Twitter, people. The power of the people. And what about yourself, Tadeev? I know you're, you've been quite busy now on AI, so the floor is yours. Yeah, I think we're going to be having a fantasy podcast on Tuesday. So we'll need to look into that. And then obviously, you know, Man City went and scored four goals. Aguero was my captain and he did absolutely nothing. So... I don't know if I'm looking forward to that uh, fantasy podcast. Um, and then I think that's it for me in terms of Twitter handles. I'm at the Ace of Nave 7. Yep. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff, guys. And for my part, I can't thank these guys enough. I really hope you enjoyed that show. Um, keep it locked on Anfield Index. Also keep it locked on AI Pro. There's so much phenomenal content. I can't even like name them all there's just such great content Mulby on the spot the under pressure guys tactics weekly i will be back as well with a euro incision this week hopefully discussing a win after the paris saint-germain game fingers crossed so yeah guys do check out ai pro there is a seven day free trial just go to www.anfieldindex forward slash join and be part of the fun don't miss out and also like we said please 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 join our discord group it's awesome there is it's like it's basically a forum but in an app what more can you ask for speaking to like-minded Liverpool supporters talking about the game talking about different things you can talk about whatever you want there's lots of different threads give it a go you won't be disappointed for my part thank you so much for listening we're still unbeaten we're still winning until next time up the reds Podcast Network.